Well, it's really a delight to have this time to talk with you. Thank you for inviting me. The Global Women's Assembly for Climate Justice um, is organized by the Women's Earth and Climate Action Network, WeCan. So we are the main um, organizers and hosts and designers of the event. Um, and we're really honored uh, to have over 100 global partner organizations who um, are joining us in um, to uplift the event and participate with us along with uh, over 90 speakers from 40 countries at this point. Uh, so we're really excited about the representation uh, from the global community. Yes, and I know from the last in-person event of yours that I covered, you did have people from I think that many countries, even in person, but the fact that it's virtual now, does that make it easier to bring more people into the conversation? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's silver linings in the fact of how we've all transitioned during this, this really horrific pandemic um, that, you know, is ongoing and, and heartbreaking and, and, difficult in so many ways, but, you know, the fact that a lot of people have now become more familiar with online platforms and it's become more of a space to gather and organize is allowing there to be a lot of representation. And I think also participation by the public because, um, you know, uh, now people are more familiar with with taking time to to watch conferences or summits or assemblies or webinars online. So I think it will be a good opportunity for people to learn, to organize, to take action together. Definitely. And some of the the topics um, were, you know, extremely well, extremely interesting to me, um, and I'm sure will be to many many other uh, people who uh, will be checking out the various, um, you know, days. I, I think what I'll do is uh, probably either at the beginning or at the end, I'll just say what days it's uh, running and, and that people, you know, can sign up and it's free. I'll, I'll give all that stuff, all those details at the end. But um, in terms of, uh, Osprey, in terms of some of the, the uh, categories, the topics that you're going to be taking up. Um, just, uh, I, I don't know, it's hard to highlight because they're all amazing, but, and, and, and really important, but, and, and seem to have a, a lot of interplay between them. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, I think that um, what we're doing is we are uplifting women and gender diverse voices to really demonstrate community-led solutions, strategies, policies, and frameworks to address the climate crisis. Um, you know, the young, uh, uh, sorry, gonna have to edit that. Um, That's okay. The, I'm trying to think of the correct title. Anyways, um, you know, leadership at the United Nations has said that this is code red for humanity. And we are saying we're drawing a red line to say, you know, that we need to act on climate justice now. And so a lot of the different uh, speakers and panels are going to be addressing the fact that for decades, women, feminists, um, black, indigenous, brown community leaders, frontline community speakers 
um, have been really talking for a long time around a lot of the root causes of the climate crisis as well as solutions. So we're going to be um, you know, online for six days with 20 panels featuring topics from forest protection, which is central to climate solutions, both in terms of protecting old growth forests as well as forest uh, um, regenerating forests and reforestation projects, how indigenous rights are a solution to the climate crisis and the role of indigenous rights and the role of indigenous leaders and in re resistance movements, um, feminist frameworks for climate policies and new economies. We will be talking about food security and food sovereignty, renewable energy, ocean projection and sea level rise and so much more because uh, we see that there needs to be coherence across all sectors with a feminist lens and women's leadership. We know that um, women around the world are impacted first and worst by the climate crisis due to unequal gender norms. And yet when we look at all the statistics around who are the backbones of a lot of the movement that we see towards solutions and movements that are very successful, as well as women in high levels of leadership roles that women are really leading the way so that we really want to show um, all the variety of ways and different arenas in which uh, women are demonstrating their solutions. So uh, like I said, there's 20 panels over six days to, to really delve into a lot of different topics in great depth and with a feminist analysis. Right. And one of the things in, in your sort of the sort of introduction to the whole thing, I'm just going to read because you kind of have responded to it already, but I want to see if there's anything else you want to add. Um, it says the climate crisis, the COVID-19 pandemic and socio-ecological injustices have emerged from interconnected systems of capitalism, racism, the commodification of nature, colonialism, imperialism and patriarchy to confront these deepening crises and accelerate a path forward. We need to have collective coherence to address the protection and defense of human rights and nature and uphold community-led solutions. So um, that's, I, I, can you speak a little bit more to, I mean, you kind of did already, but if there's anything else you wanna say, uh, have collective coherence to address the protection and defense of human rights and nature. And I, I just think that's so important because I feel like a lot of people who you know are involved in climate work and environmental issues, I, I feel like it's very anthropos anthropocentric, and and that you know we don't think about some of the other living beings um, or or the or the or the uh, structures and you know supports to living beings, you know, like clean water and clean air. Um, and, and uphold, it says uphold community-led solutions. Can, can you give an example of what that would look like, a community-led solution to some of these crises? Yeah, and I think if you don't mind, uh, I'll just say what you said in my own words, if that's okay, since you're editing this anyway. Sure, um, sure. I think that would be good to say, uh, um, and then I can also respond to your question within that. Um, so the reason that we're, gathering all these amazing leaders from around the world is that the climate crisis, the COVID-19 pandemic and socio-ecological injustices have emerged from interconnected systems of capitalism, 
racism, the commodification of nature, colonialism, imperialism, and patriarchy. And if we're going to really address this moment in time, which is a result of how we have been living for a very long time, we have to really confront these deepening crises and accelerate a path forward that has collective coherence to address the protection and defense of human rights and nature and uphold community-led solutions. And what that means is that we have to understand that all of these interlocking crises didn't just suddenly happen. It is a result of a worldview and a system change that we have been needing to address for a really long time. So the ideologies and societal norms of white supremacy, patriarchy, colonization, and capitalism really continue to be at war with both people and planet and interfere with the healthy and just world we seek. And so when we're talking about solutions, we need to really understand that as an example, um, indigenous black and brown women, people of color um, are harmed first and worst because of these systemic problems. And when we look at solutions, we need to really center BIPOC communities. We need to center nature. We need to center all the communities, whether they're human or non-human, uh, and center their voices and their solutions. Um, and this is what we mean by having an intersectional analysis because um, it's very different for each of us and how we're being impacted by these crises. So we can see as an example of the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the climate crisis, that we're all being impacted, yes, but we're not being impacted equally. We're not being impacted evenly because of racism, because of patriarchy, because of our view of dominion over nature. So we need to look at things both from the short-term immediate actions we need to take to say protect a forest or protect indigenous rights um, or to stand with Black Lives Matter in this immediate need of crises that we see on a daily basis while at the same time and not separately, we have to have a systemic analysis to change the systems that have created the conditions of these multiple crises. Right, right, thank you. Um, one, one question that comes to mind is you have, um, you know, so many sort of top-notch speakers from all over the world. Are there, do, do any of them or does the um, gathering have any connections with governmental entities or governments, I guess I could say? Yes. Um, one of the things that's really important in how we designed uh, the um, assembly is that we do have grassroots, frontline, indigenous black and brown women leaders speaking as well as global advocates and policymakers, because we think it's very important that the grass tops and the grass roots can connect. And one of the things that we're doing to ensure that is, you know, we do have former presidents uh, speaking. Uh, uh, we do have a Nobel laureate who will be presenting, but also importantly, we will be producing a call to action that will be signed by uh, organizations around the world. And this call to action will be delivered 
uh, to all governments around the world during the United Nations General Assembly because this event takes place uh, during that time period. We will also be sending this call to action, which has recommendations in it and what climate justice frameworks look like and a link to the frameworks that we think will best serve people and planet and not polluters um, and really um, not put forward false solutions or any greenwashing to really see what our community-led solutions look like. Um, we will be giving them not only a call to action, but links to these frameworks to governments around the world, financial institutions, because they are equally complicit in what they finance, like the fossil fuel industry, and media outlets. So there's going to be a direct linkage to all of the work that is happening at the assembly and the call to action with uh, delivery to governments and financial institutions of our call to action. So I think that's gonna be really important that this has real-time impact in who we are communicating these ideas and solutions and struggles to um, during and after the assembly. Right, and I know that this is kind of the same uh, um framework that you followed in, in other uh, conferences or, or assemblies that you've done where you've gotten, you know, you've ended with a, a signed document that you have delivered to, uh, you know, the decision makers, I guess we could say. Um, and has, I just wondered, has that resulted in any kind of meaningful um, you know, interactions, or do you feel like you, you've been heard by, by these people you've delivered, you know, the, um, the document to? Well, I think what's really important when we're looking at these communications, because we're involved not just during these assemblies or big gatherings, you know, we do ongoing work with speaking to um, governments around the world during the climate talks or we have um, many different delegations we've organized to meet with major financial institutions, whether it's asset managers or banks. So this work of what we call an inside and outside strategy is ever ongoing, where we are pushing from the outside and marching on the streets and, and standing up for our homelands and supporting frontline leaders um, and putting pressure on the ground um, but it's also important that we stay in dialogue with decision makers and with um, different institutions who are financing a lot of the harms that we are wanting to, to do uh, interventions with. I think that it does make a difference because um, there needs to be that human to human contact, the sharing of stories um, that the entities that are making decisions or who are financing different projects actually hear what our vision is and a different way of viewing how to move forward and that there are solutions that may not be in their frameworks that they need to learn about. And so I do think it has an impact. It's part of steering the tra trajectory that we're in, the disastrous trajectory we're in, in a very different direction. So I think it's important in the sense of, um, the way that we approach strategically having an inside and outside strategy as we work to demand climate justice and what solutions look like. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think that that's really um, 
key from from the work that I've done as well, just trying to figure out the best and most uh, you know productive way to to make those links and those connections. Um, one one question about the and I can either put this in now or put it at the end also. Are you having, you have people from all over the world. So how are you, and not everybody I'm sure speaks English or presents in English. So how are you dealing with that on this in this global assembly? That's a great question. So um, one of the things also that is really great about doing uh, a virtual assembly, a virtual gathering, and the fact that everybody has been on these platforms during the pandemic is that, of course, those platforms have um, increased their different technologies and tools. So this assembly will be held in four languages, in English, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. So um, it's very easy when people tune in, they can select uh, which language that they want to hear the assembly in real time. And so we have a whole host of many, many interpreters who will be uh, translating every single day of the assembly, all six days, all 20 panels in French, English, Spanish, and Portuguese. Wow, that's great. That, yeah, that is a really um, important and helpful contribution of uh, online meeting, I guess. We, um, I'm part of a Connecticut statewide coalition and we have started doing ours with simultaneous uh, interpretation in Spanish, you know, because people can just click on whichever language um, they want. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it, I love it. I mean, I think it's really, um, you know, the thing that broadens the, the capability of different people to participate. Um, speaking of that, uh, this is open to all. Is that true of any gender? Yes. Um, this assembly is open to everyone. It's a free gender diverse space open to the public. So people can do uh, one of two things. They can, the, the best thing to do is to register for the event. And then you'll, uh, people who register will be given a Zoom link. So you very simple people are very familiar with Zoom by now, I'm sure. So um, the best thing to do is to go to our website, uh, which is at WeCan, W-E-C-A-N, and then the word international spelled out, WeCanInternational.org. And right there on our homepage, there's a link to the assembly um, and all the different things you need to learn about the speakers, the agenda, what's going to be happening each day, and the registration link. And uh, once you register, there's just one link for the entire six days and you can tune in and out as you wish. So that's the best way to participate. And again, all the languages will be available there. And then we'll also be live streaming it on our Facebook um, page at uh, the Women's Earth and Climate Action Network on Facebook. Um, but I think the best way in terms of really the full experience is to register and to, to enter the Zoom space because you can also ask questions and interact with others who are participating. Um, there's also different spaces for people to have dialogue and share their work uh, once you're in the Zoom space. So we really encourage people to register because there's you know, different opportunities for interactivity if you uh, participate in that manner. Absolutely, that sounds like the, the way to go. And I have registered and I'm very excited 
to participate as much as possible. Oh, that's the other question. Will it be recorded and can people listen later? Exactly. This is why we are live streaming it. And so the whole thing will be recorded. So if you miss a session, you can always go to our Facebook page, the Women's Earth and Climate Action Network. The whole uh, sentence, Women's Earth and Climate Action Network, um, is our Facebook page. And um, every day it'll be live streamed there. So if you miss something, you can always go back and watch it there, which we'll be having posts each day. Okay, that sounds great. So, um, Osprey, is there anything else uh, that you want to say uh, to entice more people to sign up for this amazing event that we didn't talk about yet? Um, I think that it's really important to understand that we are at a critical choice point for humanity. The most recent Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report confirms that we, what we already knew that you know, with no significant action, the climate crisis will continue to escalate quickly. And every day we can see for ourselves, you know, forest fires burning all over the world. I'm here in California and you know, for the last weeks, there's only been a few days that you can even go outside and really breathe because the air is so polluted. There's massive flooding around the world, extreme droughts. Um, we see famines happening in Madagascar. I mean, people are losing their livelihoods and lives. So we're in a climate emergency. It's not coming, it's here. And so this assembly is about action and about networking and about people participating together about what we can do. And it's the most, um, it's just a very critical time because it's the last time during the UN General Assembly that all governments in the world are going to meet before the climate talks at the end of the year in Glasgow. And these are the most important climate talks since the Paris Agreement where we're gonna be hearing commitments for governments. So if there's time to apply pressure to governments about this being a climate emergency and taking collective action and creating this call to action that we all sign and deliver to governments, and really have our voices heard, this is a time to do so. And a lot of that effort and advocacy and taking action and collecting together will be happening at this assembly. So we really invite everyone to come because quite frankly, we can't wait and there's no time to lose and, and we must, must take action now. Great, okay, that's an excellent. And um, Osby, can you spell your second name? Cause I've seen it spelled two different ways and I, I wanna spell it right and pronounce it sure. right. Sure, it's Osprey, O-S-P-R-E-Y. My middle name that I use as my name also fully is Oriel, O-R-I-E-L-L-E. -E, and then my last name Lake. So it's Osprey Oriel Lake. Okay, because I thought it was Oriel, but I've also seen it on the web, O-R-E-I, and I, then I thought it would be pronounced differently. So, okay. Um, so let me just thank you with your full name. So um, Osprey Oriel Lake, thank you so much for being with me this afternoon uh, to talk about this extremely important event coming up that, that I hope all of our listeners will tune into and get so much out of and, you know, continue to build the kind of uh, you know information and networking that we certainly will sorely need going forward. So thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And also um, 
you know, when you, I know we're done with the, the formal part of right. the interview, but when you get everything together, uh, definitely send us the links and we'll help push it out on our social media as well. I definitely will. All right. Take care. Thanks again. Thank you. Have, Have a, a great evening. day. Thank you. Okay. Thank okay. You. okay. Bye-bye. Bye.